I also really appreciate people that want to learn things and aren't always just looking for confirmation of what they already believe. And I think that that's actually really hard to find um, in today's day and age. I think everyone is very polarized in their opinions and everyone's just looking for people who agree with them. Welcome to a Life of Freedom podcast, your source of inspiration and information on how and why you should choose to pursue your own happiness, pursue your passion, and design a life that fulfills you and makes it your own. And now here's your host, Ayesh LKZ. This is episode seven of season one. This is the second part of the conversation with Melody Weissner. Let's get to the show. If we could have an unlimited supply of a certain food for like next 50 years, what would you choose? I think I would have to go with some really high quality sushi because sushi is really expensive. Typically good sushi is, and it takes incredibly high skill to make. Like you couldn't give me the recipe for sushi and I'm, I make it, you know, I, I just can't do that. I think I would choose some high quality sushi. I always want sushi. I'm never bored of it. It's very healthy and it, it takes a really high skill level to prepare. So I think that's what I would choose. I would be very happy to eat sushi every day for the next 50 years, especially if it was provided for me free. My God. <laughs> okay. What are the other experiences you enjoy while you travel? So food is a huge one. I think it depends on the place because I, I really like to experience culture in whatever form it is. And I think that that differs from place to place. Like for some places that ends up being scenic, for some places that ends up being their theater scene, for some places it's their art scene, for some it's music, like it, it really depends. Um, I've always loved going to museums everywhere that I was, especially in modern museums. I, I kind of love to see the modern artwork that, that different places around the world are creating. So that's, that's a big one for me. I also really love tennis. So any place that I went to like France or England or Australia or whatever that had a tennis event, I would always go. Um, and there's a there's a, uh, a um, tournament stop in Australia called the Aussie Millions. And it's at the same time as the Australian Open, which is a, a Grand Slam tennis tournament. So I would always go there. So sports, I was always really interested in. Soccer didn't really do it for me, even though I, I did go to some soccer matches. I would say tennis and then art is probably the biggest one for me i really love the museums and like the street art and architecture too like the styles of the buildings and and all of that 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 always made a really big impression on me and learning about that but mostly i'm kind of willing if you tell me something unique and interesting and cool is going on in a city and that i should experience it i'll experience it i'm not limited to one arena or another okay is there anything that you do or that is there any characteristic that you have that would be surprising to other people to hear? Um, <laughs> surprising. Um, so I actually haven't been doing it lately because uh, I've, I've had a, a back issue, but something that I do recreationally is pole vaulting, you know, the Olympic sport where you run with the pole and you plant it in the ground and you go over the thing. And I, I like to play 20 questions with people sometimes at the poker table and say, can you guess what my hobby is? And they never guess it. It's, <laughs> it's so hard. And I decided I wanted to do this when I went to the Olympics in 2012, when I was living in London. 
and I saw the women's pole vault final and I thought that just looks so cool and I want to do that. So I found places that I could train at and I kind of just went for it. And then in Los Angeles, there's, there's a, a group that allows other people to train with them, like high school or college or post-college or adults or whatever. And so I had been training there for a while. And that is something that I do that I don't think people would expect. But I haven't been able to do it recently because I've, I've had a bit of an injury, but I'll be back. Okay. So what is your monitor? So this is from Ramit Sethi. So aside from rent and all the necessities, what is the other uh, like interest that you spend your most money on? Food, for sure. Food is the number one expense and it's not even close. Um, <laughs> I don't really go out to bars and stuff that much. And I, I don't really spend a lot on acquiring possessions. Like I don't really spend a lot on clothing or items or stuff like that. So food is for sure. I will spend no expense will be spared for food. If there's a cool opportunity, I'm happy to spend money on it. I would say that and, and travel, travel as well, or like for something like that. But food is probably number one. Okay. So if your income is 10 times, that is what is now, how would you my income was 10 times what it was now i'd probably go ahead and build my house in the country and um move there and live that would be it i guess i don't know that anything would be crazy different except for something like that like buying a house building a house i guess there there could be i could do more things in style like i could you know fly business class everywhere i went and i could uh, yeah i wouldn't i guess like having income 10 times like takes a lot of the pressure off of deciding like whether or not you should do something <laughs> you kind of just can do anything so i think that would be one thing but i think i really just think like living situation would be would be the biggest because i i would really like to to build like a huge amazing house someday and have like giant gardens full of vegetables and like even have like a horse or something like I don't know like real like country life like if you if you can imagine that so so that would be I think where it would go build a house okay so if you're having a country life maybe a couple houses a couple houses maybe if I'm if I'm am I getting this 10 times income forever yeah it's like you're earning if I'm getting it forever then I'll take a house in New York and I'll take a house in Paris and I'll take a house in Australia and yeah that sounds good (laughs) okay good so what is a rich life game? <laughs> I mean, well, literally it would just be, I guess, doing extravagant things. Lots of extravagant travel and extravagant meals and, you know, the nicest this and the nicest that. But richly, figuratively, I feel very fortunate to have that. I have a relationship that I am just over the moon about and I have friends who I love and who I cherish and mentors and and people who I feel like have enriched my life in a way I can't really put a value on so I would say I'm very fortunate that my life is quite rich at the moment okay so you talk about like having house in the hills so where would you move so (laughs) yeah where would you go to like you're going to stay in California or you're going to move to somewhere? Um, I, would, I would love to live on the California coast. I think uh, I think that's beautiful. The central coast, I think. Okay. So are there any like other income sources that you have uh, besides from money? Not really. 
I, everything kind of stems from poker, like whether it's poker or whether it's coaching or whether it's, you know, consulting about poker. I do have a theater company that I am part owner of, and then I uh, do directing for and stuff like that, but theater doesn't make any money. So it's not an income source. It's an income suck, I guess. <laughs> so that, that is, you know, it, it generates some income, but it, it's not, it doesn't exceed what we spend on our productions. Okay. So, so that's the other one. Uh, what do you say is like your greatest accomplishment in life, both in, in your career? My greatest accomplishment in life. I don't know if I can really point to like one event like that. That's really difficult because poker is, is made up so much of, of small accomplishments that like winning one thing or another like isn't isn't really it. I think there are just like a lot of moments kind of strung together. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think I can point to like one super pivotal thing. I guess my biggest accomplishment is kind of turning turning out the way I did intellectually. Like I was very lucky that, you know, I had a family that really prioritized intellectual development and that I was able to have friends who appreciated the same kind of thing and like that now I I'm just really proud of that and the way that I see the world and interact with the world and can think and reason that's very abstract but that's what I'm the most proud of I think and poker is a huge contributor to that what do you value most in friendships and relationships what do I value most? Um, I think there's a bunch of things. I think sense of adventure. I think um, intellect is, is really big for me. Sense of humor is huge. And people have to be reasonable. If you can't be reasonable, then you can't be my friend or my boyfriend. Like You have to see the world in a way that makes sense. And you have to... I also really appreciate people that want to learn things and aren't always just looking for confirmation of what they already believe. And I think that that's actually really hard to find um, in today's day and age. I think everyone is very polarized in their opinions and everyone's just looking for people who agree with them. And if someone doesn't agree with them, then they're not worth talking to. I think that that's the attitude a lot of people have. And I'm really interested in talking with people who disagree with me because I feel like I can learn something or at least I have the opportunity to. And I always feel like if somebody has, you know, a better logical reason for something that they believe, they could change my mind. So either I'll learn something or they'll learn something. So I, I, I really appreciate that. And that's a quality that I, I value a lot in my relationships. And I'm sad to say that I think it's that openness to changing your mind or learning is is really rare right now. Okay. How would you say like the status of poker uh, like has been changed from when you started? It's kind of like any other game. Uh, as computers get better, it becomes more solved. That's the, that's the short answer. You know, robots can and computer bots can, can solve poker and they can play good poker. So it's gone more that way. Like the person who is best at behaving like a computer is the person that's going to likely do the best. That is a little um, sad, I think, because poker is traditionally a very cool kind of uh, convergence of a lot of these different disciplines like logic and psychology and, and whatever. But right now at the highest levels, it's the people that are playing the most mathematically optimal that are doing the, doing the best. So that combined with the legality issues in the United States and 
over the rest of the world, those are providing some problems. I think, I don't think it's trending in a great direction, honestly. But uh, should some of the, ga- the legality issues get resolved in the US, especially, I think we'll see a lot more excitement and a lot more people coming into poker. And I think that will kind of open up the game again, in a way. Okay. One coming from yours is like, I kind of watch like the YouTube videos about, uh, they talk about how bots affect these uh, poker plays, uh, but it's still kind of one of the only games that it's hard to affect because that we have the human aspect, that we have the bluffing aspect. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like they can play like optimally. So they, in their strategy, it would be, they would not lose. It's hard for them not to lose, but it's also hard for them to win. Uh, well, was, right. If you're playing, if you're playing, two people are playing GTO, which is game theory optimal against each other, neither one of them will ever win. It's zero, zero, right? But at the same okay. point, at the same, by the same way, if you're playing not GTO, then someone else can win versus you by playing GTO. And so on and so forth. If you are exploitable, so let's say you have a mistake in your play, somebody playing optimally can both play optimally and exploit that mistake of yours. So it's not like if I'm an expert player and I'm playing perfectly and I'm playing you and I notice you're bluffing every river. Every river we get to, you're bluffing. A game theory optimal approach would say like, I should call some of my hands and fold some of my hands and so on and so forth. But if I know you're bluffing every time, then I can change what I'm doing. So to, to make, to take advantage of what I'm seeing. So most people will start with an optimal kind of starting point and then they'll deviate if the opportunity arises. So you can win. You just can't win versus, versus someone else who's playing GTO. You can't beat them at all, but they could beat you. Okay. So pretty um, complicated and, and annoying. <laughs> okay. When you're like playing online poker, so it's like, how do you deal with, like, if you get like kind of bored, like if you don't get any good hands and like not going well, uh, I mean, you're not losing, but uh, you don't get good cards and how? Yeah, that's actually a common problem, boredom. I try to pay attention to other people and, and what's going on in the other hands and put myself in those positions. Like, what would I be calling with here? What would I be folding here? And I try to take notes on my opponents and I try to pick up reads and stuff like that. And if I find that I can't do that, or if I'm not doing that, then I should probably quit my session and do something else. Like, I, I really don't think that splitting your focus to do, I, I don't really think that splitting your focus to like watch a movie while you play or something like that is is beneficial at all. I think if you if you can't feel sufficiently stimulated with the tables, I mean, you can add a table, you can play multiple tables at the same time. But if you can't do that, I think, I think it's worth quitting. But, but I really think that there's a lot of information to be gained by paying attention to other hands. Like just because you're not in it doesn't mean you can't learn something about your opponents. Like sometimes you can, some of the most valuable information for me has come in a hand that I wasn't in. You know, I saw my opponent do something and I realized, hey, my opponent is doing something wrong and I could use this to my advantage if it comes up. But if I wasn't paying attention, then I would have never known. Okay. So this would be one of the last questions. 
So, what does the word freedom mean to you? Ah, uh, freedom. Um, <laughs> it. I. I mean, I associate that with the ability to make your own choices and decisions and do whatever you want. Like it's the you know the American dream, I guess. And uh, I don't always think that that some that that just because you, but at the, by that same token, I don't always think that just because you can do what you want means that you're free. So for example, if I want to eat every piece of junk food in sight and like I, you know, I I can, I can do that. <laughs> but I I feel that you're not always exercising willpower and you're not being like free to to really make your own choices and design your own life if you're always just kind of like a slave to doing whatever it is that you want at the moment. So I think it's kind of a, a bit of a double-edged sword there but I I do I do associate it with not not being prohibited from and from doing something you want unless it's of your own design you're you're choosing not to do something etc cetera, etc cetera. it's not pure hedonism but but you should you should feel like you have the option I think to do anything you want I don't know I've never really thought about that question <laughs> Okay. If you like, if you like feeling down and if you don't feel like doing something, how do you how would you motivate? If I if I don't feel like doing any like just anything, just like if I'm in a generally bad mood. Yeah. I try to. I mean, if I I think firstly, I think sometimes when you're in a bad mood, I think um, if you're feeling upset about something or depressed about something or whatever, sometimes there's a really good reason. So sometimes like something unfortunate has happened or you know you were really hoping for some kind of good result and you didn't get it. I think it's totally okay and probably useful to to let yourself feel bad about that for a little while. But there's only so far that that can really take you. I think, you know, you can acknowledge your emotion and and feel what you're feeling, but at some point it starts to become counterproductive to whatever it is you're chasing or wanting or trying to develop or whatever. So I try to kind of like the same way as until I kind of have like go-to things that I know will put me in a good mood, like people who will make me laugh or like something that I, that I like to see or talk about or do or whatever. And I try to, you know, allow myself to do that stuff. Um, and just like not feel, not punish myself for too long. You know, you can let yourself feel sad and disappointed and, and all that can be like very good fuel for improving. Um, but there's a difference, I think, between that and like wallowing in in that kind of thing. So I think I think I have a lot of things that I am. I'm lucky that I have a lot of things that I enjoy, and so I have a lot of things to pick from to to get me out of a bad mood. I think I'm pretty effervescent, though. I think I can like bounce back kind of quick. So <laughs> so I'm lucky in that way. Okay, what would be your advice to like a new poker player starting? So for new poker players. I would advise a few things. Like one, I would try to set some goals, like how how much you want to win and and how high you want to play and all that stuff. And then I would do research according to those goals. Like what is it going to take to become a winner at this stake? What's it going to take to make this much money, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really just like not easy. It's not like a, a giant ATM the way it was in the early 2000s. And then if you want to take it very seriously, I think having a coach is a really good way to do it because I think that a lot of books will offer general information, which can be very helpful, 
but a coach will kind of accelerate the process and offer tailored information to your thought process and and how you view poker and, and what your weaknesses are. So I think coaching is very useful. I've seen pretty astounding results from from my students and then like even contemporaries of mine, like players of my level will get coaching. And it it's it's really it sometimes it, it can quite literally take you from one level to the next. So I think that's huge. And I just think it's really important to to try to look to learn from your mistakes. I would say that's the biggest thing. Um, when you make a mistake, don't ignore it. You know, focus on it. Ask yourself why I did this, how I could do better next time. Some of the best ways to do that are by if you're playing online poker, you can save your hands. You can look at your hand history and read them. And if you're playing and you think you have a question about a hand or you think you didn't play a hand well, you can just copy it and paste it in a notes file and then look at it later, study it later, talk about it with someone you respect later and learn from your own mistakes. I think that's the best, the best way to learn. So for someone starting out and also just like you can, I think just getting experience is huge. So if you you even just like want to play like micro stakes, like just very low level, like, you know, a $5 buy-in or a $10 buy-in to a, a cash game. I still think you can learn a lot from, from playing online. But from there, I think it's important to sort of set like small, short-term, realistic goals, medium-term, long-term, et cetera, and do proper research to, to see if they're, if they are attainable. Like, for example, if you're going to play a $10 game, you're not going to make $10,000 in a few months like that's just that's never going to happen so I, I think it's important to research if your goals are realistic and then kind of build yourself a framework with which to attain them it's kind of really like anything else that you would want to undertake you'd want to see like what the possible expectations are like how quickly you can improve what's realistic what can you put into your schedule right and then take steps to to meet those but i, I do think that the, the being self-critical and being willing to to admit and learn from your mistakes is, is huge. Otherwise those things will keep, keep coming up and having another pair of eyes on your game is huge too, because sometimes other people can see things that you can't. Okay. Before the final question, so you can share all, like all your social media stuff or your website or your coaching. Yeah. So my Twitter is at Melanie Wisner. My Instagram is the same and um, people can reach me for coaching at wisnercoaching at gmail.com. Yeah. So anyone can reach me at any, any of those, any of those ways. I'm always happy to answer any questions or give advice or help people who are starting out along with their career or semi-pro career, et cetera. Okay. So the final question is, uh, how would you like to be remembered 50 years from now? That's so funny. Uh, I was just asked this question recently. Um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, poker is, is one thing. Um, I, I'd like to be in, in poker. I'd like to be remembered as, as a, you know, exciting, inspiring player. I think I've, I've been able to do that, especially for some women who who uh, are, are kind of looking for role models of smart, unafraid, kind of, you know, risk-taking women. I think that there is really not enough of them in poker. So I'm hoping that I can really inspire other women to, to, to do that. And um, that's, that's probably the thing I hope the most from poker, that I could have inspired other people who found the game fascinating to kind of take it on and not be afraid. Other than that, I'm, I'm hoping that my general way of, of thinking about the world um, and interacting with people has, has made other people think differently. I think that, that, that I've contributed in some way like that. I think uh, 
and and that might just be on like a pretty micro level, right? Like just discourse in private conversations. It might not affect people on like a huge scale, but um, you know, some of the things I do, like consulting and presentations and stuff, uh, do have impact on people. So I'm kind of just hoping that I can inspire people to think in a more concrete and logical way, uh, and that that has a a tangible effect on people I meet. Uh, so great to have you here. So thank you for coming. So I think uh, we have Thanks. been here over now. Uh, good questions. Good questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. So I think we'll uh, wrap this up now. Okay. Cool. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Please leave a review and subscribe from wherever you listen to our podcast. See you next time.